been a while since I did this, so let's just get started. Hey guys, uh, welcome to Big Red Potion Co-op Mode. Um, as you can tell, I am not Sedan Kuba, but I'm instead his American counterpart, Mr. Joe D'Elia. Um, back in the car again, of course, as expected. Uh, I, I believe, and I, I truly believe this, that we are the number one video game podcast recorded in a car uh, in the world. I will stand by that, and I hope to continue that fine tradition today. Um, just so everyone knows, it is about... 40 degrees in New York right now. The car is not too comfortable, but I will survive it because I think we have a good show here for you guys today. Um, joining me on this journey into madness and cold is John Laster from XBLAFans.com. How's it going, John? It's going great. and uh, Thankfully, it's not 40 degrees here. I'm in a house <laughs> inside Florida, and I got the air conditioning on full blast because it's actually pretty <laughs> hot down here. You are a lucky man, sir. I'll tell you that much. I, uh, I, would, I would pay somebody to... Uh, any amount that they wanted. I would give my first unborn child to someone to bring the heat back to New York because it has been friggin' freezing here for the past couple of weeks. I bet. <laughs> we even got snow yesterday. It is the end of March, and we got snow yesterday and today, which is not fun at all. I, I can't remember the last time I even saw snow. <laughs> oh, I, I, I do hate you a bit right now, but I'll try to suppress that a little bit for our show today. Um... Anyway, so we're going to be talking about something that's near and dear to both John and my hearts, uh, collective hearts even, um, the beat-em-up, a long, long-running genre. It's something that, as a child, pretty much all I played, not, not going to lie. Uh, we've talked about RPGs a lot on the show. Joe's always been quiet on those shows because he didn't really know what to say. That's because <laughs> I was playing too much Double Dragon at that point to uh, care about what Final Fantasy was doing. Um, so, you know, uh, with the recent uprising of some new... Uh, hotter beat-em-ups in various different forms, digital downloads, portable systems. We thought it might be good to kind of trace back the origins of it, talk about some of the older ones that were near and dear to our hearts, and uh, see how we got to where we are today, and even what other genres have kind of been brought about by the, the rise of the beat-em-up back in the, uh, the seven, late 70s, early 80s. Actually, no, there were none in the 70s. I'm making stuff up. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> early, early 80s, then we'll, we'll go with that. 1984. <laughs> that, that works for me, yeah. Uh, two years after I was born, so let, let's rock that. Anyway, um, so John, why don't we start with you? Um, what do you remember, earliest memories of your childhood, what do you think were the, the defining beat-em-up games that you kind of think back to and say, yeah, you know what, that's where it all started for me? Uh, well, for me, uh, Double Dragon actually came out before I was even born, but I do remember playing it eventually, you know, on an NES, and uh, I, mean, I just really loved, you know, the co-op feel, and then what actually was more reminiscent for me is, you know, the games that kind of came after Double Dragon. Like, I remember playing, you know, the original Final Fight on uh, one of my cousin's game systems, and then... I remember the game that really, really got me was actually the original Konami Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. And, I mean, that and just, you know, all the games that kind of spawned from that with that exact, you know, game style of, you know, right. the super-powered hero and, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of waved enemies that you just keep destroying. And it was just an absolute blast. Right. 
Yeah, I, I have similar memories. When I was growing up, uh, you know, being a child of the 80s, I kind of remember going to a lot of arcades and not being quite tall enough to, to see the game. I used to have to stand on boxes, basically, to see what <laughs> I was actually doing. But I remember, you know, early stuff. I remember seeing Double Dragon 2 for the first time in arcades. And at the time, I, I think I'd been playing the one on NES. So when I saw the second one, I was literally freaking out. And my parents couldn't even hold me on top of the box because I was jumping up and down while I was playing the game. So excited. <laughs> Uh, and then the first time I saw Ninja Turtles, which, um, you know, painting a picture of the early or the late 90s arcade scene here in the U.S., you know, not a whole lot of cabinets back then had four-player no. um, support. And also, not a lot of cabinets had, you know, licensed properties that were so hot at that time as the Ninja Turtles were. Um, and being a child of seven or eight, when I saw a Ninja Turtles arcade game that four people, you could all be turtles, you could fight together, you could fight all the enemies from the show... I, lit- I, I might have peed my pants. I don't remember. But I remember <laughs> that I was freaking out. And as, you know, as simplistic, and I'm sure we'll go into some of the downsides of, the, of this yeah. of the genre today, but as simplistic as it was, as a, a child of that age, I would, there was nothing better to me in the world. The sprites were so big. The game was so beautifully rendered. It looked just like the cartoon to me. And it was just complex enough so that as a, as a nine-year-old, I was able to get it and totally jump into it and love every second of it which was utterly fantastic. Yeah, I, I have a very similar experience because I remember being a young kid and my parents would take me somewhere like Chuck E. Cheese and then, you know, they'd be like, what do you want to do? And I'd be sitting there playing Ninja Turtles the whole time. And they're like, are you really just going to play Ninja Turtles? And I'm like, well, I guess I could go play Simpsons. And then I'd go move over to Simpsons, which is basically the exact same game. Yeah, same but, I mean, That came out a little bit lo- later. Yeah. But, I mean, it was just great just being able to, you know, play those kind of licensed properties and stuff as well and it, it's that genre just really stuck with me as a young kid a lot more than rpgs as well because i mean i think honestly the first rpg i really played was pokemon and that <laughs> okay. was you know around second grade i'm mean, proud of you for admitting that in public that's good <laughs> um yeah yeah the, the thing that really got me about the beat-em-up back then is that every company kind of had their own style like, if you look at the Konami stuff, like, it is all fairly similar. Like, they, they kind of carved out their own niche, and of course that's because they're all running on the same technology, but really, I mean, you know, when you know when you saw the Konami logo on the new game, say, mm-hmm. when Simpsons came out, when Sunset Riders came out, when Turtles in Time came out, which, to me, is the best one ever made, but when all <laughs> these games kind of came out with that logo, you kind of knew, okay, it's going to play this way, I get it. It's kind of, it's very, it was very identifiable. Then when you saw, like, mm-hmm. the Capcom name on another game, for instance, you knew, for example, that when you broke garbage, food would come out. And yeah. certain combos, there were more combos in the Capcom games in, in many cases. There were more mm-hmm. weapons in the Capcom games. So I think each company kind of brought their own little spice to the table. And if you look at some of the stuff that was done uh, on a more niche scale, uh, Capcom actually went really deep into it. Uh, back in the early 90s, they, they released a couple games that had RPG elements in the yeah. beat-em-ups. They had a couple games where um, you could switch characters on the fly. They, you know, it's in, a, in a genre that is so limited mm-hmm. in gameplay, uh, because there's only so many buttons you can put on a controller, they managed to innovate in enough ways that the act of walking from left to right and beating up the same dude over and over managed to somehow stay fresh over a 45 minute to one hour long period. And to me, that is very impressive. Yeah. Capcom uh, did a lot of innovation. I mean, it's just really interesting to look and just see, you know, how street fighter two came about. And I mean, that's what really kind of created the whole one-on-one fighting game thing. Sure. And I mean, it's just a huge, you know, 
popular genre now of, you know, both 3D and 2D, you know, just fighting games that have completely spawned right. from that. And, I mean, that that's amazing to me, just to trace its roots. I mean, you can go all the way back to Double Dragon and even a little bit earlier to a couple of the original, you know, beat-em-ups sure. that weren't as well-known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to think that, you know, an idea so simple as walking and beating up dudes could have spawned <laughs> so many other different things. Like you said, Street Fighter probably wouldn't have existed if Double Dragon and all yeah. those games didn't come out. The, the original Street Fighter, uh, if you've ever played it, it's, mm-hmm. it's framed very similarly to the beat-em-ups of the era. Yeah. Like, the characters are smaller, the levels, are, the levels look like they could have come out of any other beat-em-up. Um, the fighting styles are a little different. There isn't really special moves, or they aren't as complex as they were in later games. But, I mean, basically, Capcom removed the, the side-to-side scrolling of the beat-em-up and made only one character on screen. That's the, pretty much the only difference they had with the original Street Fighter, or Fighting yeah. Street, whatever it was called. But, you know, that little innovation, that little difference from what other people were doing is what caused a phenomenon that has lasted now, you know, uh, 15 to 20 years. So... You know, the act of, obviously, people like to walk and beat stuff up. That is something that is very well covered. But the way that the industry kind of handled it, the way that the industry kind of didn't run it into the ground, similarly to how the first-person shooter is being run into the ground right now by companies like Activision. Back then, people were actually trying to kind of innovate on the thing and and come up with new ways of getting your quarters uh, pumped into the machine, which I kind of appreciate. So, at least to me, I think that, you know, as, as... Simplistic as the genre is, as uh, as much as fun as I've had playing it over the years, it's it's crazy to think that a lot of what we play now would not have existed the way it does exist without the beat 'em up. Yeah, there there really was a four year almost golden age for the the genre where I mean you started with Double Dragon and then it just keeps moving on and on and sure. you end up with Golden Axe and Final Fight and Street Fighter and then River City Ransom and yeah. I mean all of those games and it just keeps going and going and i mean you have streets of rage and streets of rage 2 and then i mean eventually you end up with ninja turtles and i mean it's just great yeah yeah that's another thing that kind of helped it along the consoles at the time because you know personally i had never seen a double dragon one machine arcade machine and none of the arcades around me had it but when that game came out for the nintendo the, uh, the nes that was such a revelation for you at the time because it was so fluid, and the fighting was more complex than most games. It wasn't just press B to kill a dude. It was mm-hmm. press B to throw a punch, press A to throw a kick. And you have to do it a couple of times. You get to throw the guy. You have to pick up the whip and kill him with that. There's boss fights where you have to knock dudes out of helicopters. Like, there's all this fairly complex stuff for an NES game, stuff that you really didn't yeah. see in a whole lot of other games. And there was actually a story attached to the thing, too, which was mm-hmm. kind of crazy back then. Yeah, it's definitely crazy back then, especially when you're used to playing games like Mario, where, you know, you just jump on the guy's head and he's sure. dead. And you keep playing, not because of really a story, more or less, but more because the platforming elements are fun. Sure. And the thing with, you know, uh, a lot of the beat-em-ups is they actually did have that early story. And they were one of the few games outside of, you know, the traditional RPG that has that. Sure. And then uh, it's just great. I mean, just even though the button combos and stuff were so simple back then, just the complexity they could make, you know, with two buttons and a joystick. Yeah, it was very impressive. And then to see how people innovated on it, like you said, Streets of Rage introducing more complex combos into the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff really, really did some crazy things for for what people thought a beat-em-up could be. And honestly, you know, 
after the eighties passed, the nineties came and the new consoles mm-hmm. came out, the beat 'em up might not have survived if, if companies like yeah. Capcom, companies like Sega, you know, Konami kind of dropped off the map at that point as far as producing mm-hmm. beat 'em ups go. So really, it was Konami, it was Sega and it was uh, Capcom really coming stepping up to the plate, figuring out a way to kind of make these things relevant, which very impressive because at the time, <laughs> if you would have told me, you know, uh, back in the mid nineties that I'd still be playing games like you know, Streets of Rage and stuff, I, I wouldn't yeah. believe you. Yeah, and I think uh, the mid-90s is kind of when you ended up seeing a lot of these games that, you know, on arcade machines getting ported over to, you know, the console platforms. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I mean, the genre almost seemed to start to decline a little bit because, sure. I mean, more of what you were seeing was the licensed properties. Sure. You were seeing more of the Ninja Turtles, more of the Simpsons, more of the Power Rangers. I mean, I remember sure. playing all three of those around that period. And I loved them, honestly, but they weren't innovating as much as, say, you know, the big jumps between Double Dragon to Final Fight to Street Fighter to, you know, Streets of Rage and River City Ransom. Yeah, I think the last one I really got excited about was Turtles in Time for the Super Nintendo, uh, which Mm -hmm. was a launch title for the Super Nintendo, or very close to it. Um, But, I mean, that I was excited about it, but... You know, to to be honest, I still play it to this day relatively, relatively <laughs> often. Is that you could beat that game in about twenty three minutes, I believe. So putting that in for a little while really doesn't bother me too much. But the the problem with the beat 'em ups now, just obviously there's some some real depth issues there. Uh, in most cases, anyway, you you know you are completing a fairly simplistic action. Uh, yeah. There's no real aim to be had. There's no real depth there in most cases. What do you think they had to do, really, to you know, kind of port it over to the console? Because when you lose that coin-op feeling, it really changes the gameplay. Because well, I know that's something I've been feeling now, playing a lot of these games as they're being released on WiiWare or XBLA or PSN. And it kind of removes a lot of the you know, difficulty, in a sense, if you can just continue to hit continue. Sure. Well, if you think about the, the psychology behind these games, I mean essentially these games were built to continuously suck your quarters down. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you play The Simpsons, I don't know if you've played it any time recently, but The Simpsons, as great of a beat-em-up as it is, and as wonderfully animated and, and, and as fun to play as that damn game is, you die every oh, yeah. three minutes in that game uh, without fail. There's almost no way to not die because there's no block button. Uh, <laughs> you will get hit. And you will die. And most of the special abilities, that's the other great thing about the beat-em-up, the innovation of, well, if you're going to do this special ability that's going to clear a bunch of guys and do all this crazy stuff on screen that you obviously want to do, it's going to cost you some of your health bar. Yeah. Like, stuff like that, as as brilliant as an idea as it was to make money, it kind of sucked the fun out of it in a way as a kid. Yeah. Um, which, of course, as you said, totally lost when it comes to the console because... What are you going to do? The, the, on the console, you can't keep pumping it towards it to continue. You have to give each player a certain amount of lives. If their life is being sucked away by these special moves, then they're never going to finish the game. Stuff like that, I think, kind of led to the problem. As people started moving away from arcades, yeah. the beat-em-up had to be ported to the console in such a way as, A, it was either so easy to beat that there's no point to playing it because you have <laughs> infinite lives, or B... It's so difficult, they limit your lives so much, and the special moves siphon too much of your health that you don't want to play it at all. Yeah. So that's kind of the problem that, that they face. I mean, the NES, that's kind of okay to do, because, hey, yo, every game on the NES was impossible to beat, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But on the Super Nintendo, on the Genesis, and even beyond that, how do you say to someone, okay, you're going to spend $60 on this game, it's going to be about 25 to 30 minutes long, and you're probably never going to beat it because we made it so freaking hard. Yeah. 
I was going to say, after about the NES, I feel like games started to, you know, become a little bit easier just because they wanted to, you know, expand their audience. They want to be able to say, hey, for $60, you're not going to want to throw the game at a window and, you know, break it right. because you're just so frustrated. And uh, I know, like, as X-Men just got ported to XBLA this past, uh, I think it was December, sure. the game has exactly what you're talking about, you know, special moves that siphon your health. I mean, constantly you can't block. I mean, you're just going to get hit. Sure. So, I mean, I was sitting there playing that, and I'm just like, it's really lost its, you know, you know, desire to not get hit sure. when you know you can just continue to respawn, sure. which is something that really takes away from the genre in a sense. And I feel like that's kind of why the genre has had to innovate so much uh, just recently in a sense right? because uh, a lot of these more modern brawlers – and the games that have spawned off the brawler had to find a way to work around that. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the, th- you know, as as times changed, unfortunately, at, at that point, the developers hadn't kind of figured out a way to modify the beat-em-up. I mean, arcades did, did a lot for it. As you said, X-Men, which I have to point out, amazing at the time, because it had, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the big cabinets, but... In the U.S., there was a fairly frequent amount of them. Uh, X-Men was a six-player game in the arcades, and they actually had two arcade monitors side-by-side so that you could play with six people on two different screens, and it basically formed one big widescreen image, which, to my knowledge, no other game has ever done. Yeah. And back then, there were no widescreen monitors. So just to see something like that and to be blown away at, the, A, the size of this thing, and B, the fact that six people can crowd around a machine and play together, uh, astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. Um, but yeah, as as you said, as technology began to change, as developers kind of needed to look at other, other things, the beat-em-up as it was kind of began to go away, which is how other games have kind of come about. Um, John, we were talking before the show a little bit about how other genres can kind of inform from this, you know, stuff like Devil May Cry, for instance. Mm-hmm. That is essentially the advanced form of a beat-em-up. Stuff yeah, like, it, you know, uh, even like God of War, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think of the way that the beat-em-up kind of evolved from what it was into what it eventually became? Well, it, it's just really interesting to be able to look at it and see how, you know, the fighting genre, like with uh, all of the uh, Street Fighter games, would never really have been around if it weren't for the beat-em-up in general. Sure. I and mean, you wouldn't have your Mortal Kombat, you wouldn't have all of those type of games just because... You didn't have that, you know, super-powered guy just, you know, punching down weak enemies. And then eventually someone's like, what happens if we put two super-powered guys against each other? Right. And then let's let both players be players. And it's just like, wow, what a brilliant idea. Sure. And then, I mean, you end up with, you know, the hack and slash, which is pretty much the modern brawler in a sense. Sure. And, I mean, those are your Devil May Cry, your Ninja Gate, and, I mean, all of those type of games, even your Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the just the various action-adventure games that have come up over the past years, I was playing Batman Arkham Asylum again this week, and even that game has a lot of similarities to what the old beat-em-ups were. You still get these waves of dudes who all kind of look the same coming at you with various weapons that you have to use. The combat, of course, is a bit more fluid. There's more combos to it. There's more ways to evolve it. But essentially... If you look at it, I mean, Batman, if the perspective was changed to a side-scrolling view, it would kind of be a beat-em-up in a lot of sense, which is kind of awesome that, to trace the genealogy of something like Batman Arkham Asylum to Double Dragon or something along those lines. Yeah, and it's just great to see how, you know, multiple genres have kind of been combined to create some of these games. 
So, I mean, like Batman is, you know, just a unique mix of different things. I mean, it has kind of that puzzling detective element. It also has, you know, the kind of stealth element. And it also has the just beat-em-up element. And, I mean, it just has, you know, just uniqueness to it that is created by mixing, you know, these just industry standards that were developed 20 years ago. Let me ask you a quick question, John. Uh, What do you think, just, you know, we've been talking a lot about how everything has evolved and and what happened to the industry and like that, but just to get a little bit more personal side, uh, if you had to think of, you know, top two or three beat-em-ups that you've played in your life, Mm -hmm. what do you think you would would throw up there? Uh, Well... Personally, some of my absolute favorites, I mean, I'd have to throw out, you know, uh, the original Ninja Turtles just because that sure. just kind of has the uh, sentimental value for me. Sure. And then uh, after playing, uh, uh, wow, I'm blanking now on it, <laughs> Double Dragon, there we go. There you go. I'm like, after I played that for the first time, I was just like, holy cow, it's just amazing to see, you know, just the originator in a sense. So, I mean, that was just great. Yeah. And then, I mean, I, I just love, you know, what spawned from it. Like, Ninja Gaiden is one of my favorite games of all time. And despite the fact that it's not, you know, your traditional beat-em-up brawler, I mean, it really has to trace its roots sure. to this. Yeah, it traces almost to Shinobi, which was kind of a, an offshoot of something like Double Dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. For me, uh, growing up, I, I kind of, I uh, always kind of, was drawn to the games that had massive, massive character sprites on screen. Mm-hmm. So something like Final Fight blew me away when I first saw it because the <laughs> dudes were huge in that game and I couldn't understand how the graphics were that good. Um, but for me, it, it kind of, it's really kind of sad to admit this, but I, the licensed stuff is always the best for me. Uh, yeah. Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time is one of my favorite uh, games of all time, pretty much. I've played that game probably 30 to 40 times straight through, um, if not more than that. Uh, the Simpsons also uh, a shame yeah. because that game was never ported home ever, uh, except a PC port, which wasn't really that good. But um, yeah, another one that just you know, uh, thank God for emulation now because that yeah. game uh, is kind of hard to find around here. Um, yeah, so those, and of course, Double Dragon Two, I think is is my third because that one is just such a you know, it has that cyberpunk thing, which when I was five or six, I had never seen anything like that in my life, and that was kind of awesome because it looked weird and like some of the movies that I had watched. And yeah. uh, just the the way that they kind of used weapons and used the evolved combat of uh, something somewhat evolved, considering it was an NES game, um, really kind of blew me away. And if I talk to pretty much everyone I know, they have kind of the same memories as me, which really shows how much this genre clicked with people around our age group. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so, you know... Brawlers kind of disappeared once 3D came out, mainly because those machines couldn't do 2D all that well, and mm-hmm. also because people kind of got tired of them. Uh, as John said, you know, new stuff did come out, hack and slash games, uh, RPGs kind of started taking that hack and slash and giving, like, something like Diablo even kind of took the uh, beat em up and gave it an RPG uh, shell to kind of work around. Um, but really, I mean, the rebirth of the brawler has been something kind of crazy in the last yeah. couple of years, something cra- kind of unique, uh, something that honestly I, I would never have seen coming. And I'm sure most people would agree. Uh, so John, you know, lately on XBLA, PSN, all the download forms, we've seen a couple of high profile brawlers come out, uh, that harken back to the way that the old games kind mm-hmm. of used to be, but also adding a bunch of new features to it. Um, you know, I would say that that kind of started when 
games like Turtles were ported to XBLA because yeah. that kind of brought back a lot of warm, fuzzy memories for everybody. But what do you think in the recent batch? What do you think was kind of the the beginning of all this, the high water mark that kind of you know sent people back and said, "Hey, you know what? These games can still be kind of fun." Yeah, I, I think if you're going to give a certain game the high water mark, it's going to have to go to Castle Crashers just because that game sells more each week on the Xbox Live Arcade charts than the new releases for the week, which just astounds me. Because I'm like, how can people still just be finding this game? (laughs) And it's one of those things where I almost, it it almost pains me to say this, but that's one of those games that when it first came out, I actually missed it. Not because I, you know, didn't want to play it or because I didn't think it sounded good, but because I was working at the time and, you know, I had a bunch of other games I had to play on top of, you know, my normal daily work. Sure. And then I was, you know, writing at the time, and I was just like, oh, crap, I have to, you know, play these other ten games. So I actually bought the game, but I just never played it until about, <laughs> actually, about a month ago. Wow. <laughs> Which you might is have one of those things last where, like, Xbox owner to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is absolutely painful for me to say in particular, just because of all the Xbox Live Arcade games I have played. I have played some of the worst stuff ever put on that system, just because, like, I, I think I've probably played the demo for about every game that's come out. Which is painful sometimes, wow. but most of the time it's pretty good. And uh, Castle Crashers just blew me away. I mean, it's just, it's got the amazing graphics, it's the cartoony feel, it's got the quirky humor, it's got, you know, it, it, it's got the great co-op gameplay that, you know, goes all the way back to Double Dragon. Sure. And I mean, it's really kind of led the uh, resurgence in a sense. And uh, since then, you know, we've had a bunch of games that are coming out, and this... Uh, this year, currently, there are going to be a bunch more that are coming out. Right. Yeah. So what do you think it was about Castle Crashers? I mean, one thing that's kind of cool about it is that when you look at that game, it looks kind of like you imagined the future would look like back when you were a kid. Like, <laughs> you know, when I was playing Ninja Turtles, I would, if I, someone asked me what is gaming going to look like in 15 years, I would have said, yeah, kind of like this, but like way cooler looking and yeah. way more colorful and way bigger characters. And that's kind of what Castle Crashers is. Um, yeah. What do you think about that game in particular is, is so memorable and, and fascinating? Uh, just the amount of stuff you can do. I mean, it's sure. just it's a side-scrolling beat-em-up, but it's just amazing when you think about how far the genres come since then. Because, I mean, we have multiple guides that we're going to be posting on our site, because we're a little behind on this, but uh, just to talk to you about how you, you, know, you can acquire the different animal orbs, the weapons, and all the different levels and all of this. I mean, there's just so much depth to this game. Sure. And, I mean, there's new levels and combination attacks. And, I mean, every player gets their progress tracked. And, I mean, it's just great. I mean, you just have all these different enemies. And it's so colorful. And it's got such a great humor to it, in a sense, just from the behemoth. I mean, they've just done great stuff. Yeah, I think the sense of humor is one of the key things in it for me, because that if you look at a lot of the old brawlers, a lot of them took themselves super seriously. Uh, and to see a game that kind of you know, winks and nods at you as it as it gives you some stuff, it, it makes it more entertaining, because in the end, you are just running to the right and pressing the X button a lot. Yeah. But to actually you know get a couple smiles in there because of something that's going on, i.e. that the squirrels... Uh, relieving themselves as they run away from the giant monster that's chasing you, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. it's, it's very kind of tongue-in-cheek and very kind of cute to see something like that executed so well. Yeah, and that's just great for me, and I think that's what's given it kind of its lasting appeal. Sure. Because it's one of those things that, you know, when it came out, it actually got, you know, it got good review scores, but it didn't really get great review scores. Sure. Like, I was actually just looking this up the other day, and it scored about, you know, an 82 
sure. on the Xbox on Metacritic, which, I mean, that's good, but it's not exactly, you know, the, oh, my God, this is the greatest beat-em-up ever. Right. But, I mean, it's had such lasting appeal that's just completely undeniable. Right. Just because, I mean, it, it literally is one of the top-selling games on the Xbox Live Arcade platform. Right. Well, it's also another example of if you add RPG elements to it, people will mm-hmm. kind of flock to it uh, as seen in every shooter or anything that's coming out right now. Uh, you know, there, there have been a couple games over the years that have, have done that kind of thing. Oh, put these points towards whatever, you know, your armor, your health, your whatever. Yeah. But uh, I think Castle Crash, the way they kind of do it, it makes it kind of matter. Your, your fact that you can pick one character, level them up over multiple playthroughs, you can do all these crazy things with your with your character. I think that is kind of, you know, even though it's kind of uh, mandatory that you put some type of RPG element in your game now, the way Castle Crashers yeah. handle it in an elegant and simple to understand and also impactful way uh, kind of made it really, really great. It, it's a lot like you were saying how Diablo is kind of, you know, can trace its roots back to the brawler genre and it's kind of put the RPG elements into it. Castle Crashers kind of almost went to that and brought Diablo closer to its RPG roots because, I mean, it's literally, you know, that hack and slash, like looting, and you know, you're getting your new weapons, you're getting your new points to add to stuff, and you're just sure. leveling, and it's it's great to see. Right. And amazingly, that has kind of sent a couple of new, uh, yeah, new new type of uh, new brawlers to the to the current crop of consoles. Something which, again, I never would have seen coming. A couple of the other ones that have already come out that I just say you really need to look at, just because they really do harken even farther back to, you know, the traditional roots is you sure. have games like Shank, which are, it's it's clear-cut brawler. There is no RPG elements to this. This is literally just, you know, <laughs> hack-and-slash gameplay with a little bit of gunplay thrown in. Go beat it Which dudes. is just completely interesting. And, I mean, it has that same, you know, cartoony, great look. And, I mean, it just, I thought that one was great, though I know a lot of people complained just because of how short it was. But, I mean, it's one of those games I actually wanted to play multiple times, so I didn't mind it. Sure. But, uh, now we have an entire new batch that's coming out, and we have, uh, you know, the Dishwasher series, which that came out around uh, a couple years ago again, and uh, now they have the new one coming out um, on the, I think it's the 6th of this year. Uh-huh. Got to make sure that's a Wednesday real quick. Yeah, that's a 6th. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, Vampire Smile is going to be coming out then, and I've had the opportunity to play that, and it, it's, it's just fantastic. Which, I mean, if you have not played the original Dishwasher Dead Samurai, you need to go look at it, because honestly, it's great. I have it not has... yet, unfortunately, but I, I am intrigued <laughs> because I heard you can use the guitar controller if you'd like to play that game, which kind of blows my mind. Yeah, that that honestly just blows my mind, too, just because, <laughs> I mean, it shows just how simple the the buttons are, but how complex the combos that you can do with the buttons. Sure. Just that you could trace that all the way back to, you know, a scrum bar and a couple of uh, fret keys. But, I mean, it's it's insane just uh, the amount of depth that James Silva's been able to put into that game just on the, the, the fighting. It's just so fluid, and its art style is completely unique. Like, it's something you just don't see other places. And the fact that basically one guy made that game also mind-blowing. Yeah, that, that's what absolutely blows my mind is that that company is three people. Yeah. You have James Silva making the game. You have his girlfriend who helps out with uh, I'm blanking on what it was, but I remember uh, one of my writers was telling me this. They talked to them all at PAX, and then you have Dustin who does some PR, sure. uh, former joystick guy, and it's just really cool to see just you know the small kind of company create one of these games that's just absolutely fantastic. Right. 
I, I agree. I think it's amazing, and I think it's really shown how the digital marketplace has changed our world, because 10 years ago, one guy would not have been able to put a game out on any platform. No. Especially and, not something uh, that looks as good as, as uh, the dishwasher. What, what's really crazy is that most of these games that we're talking about are really small teams. Like, we just talked to uh, Brian Provinciano of V-Blank Entertainment, and he's working on Retro City Rampage. Sure. Which that game has just... It's not completely, you know, the 2D side-scrolling thing, but, I mean, it has an entire level that's just devoted to Double Dragon. Like, I mean, it, it's just, you know, a hearkening back. Sure. And this game, just the entire thing is full of pop culture references from the 80s and early 90s. I mean, it's just full of stuff. I mean, I don't want to ruin anything, but you're going to be seeing, you know, Ninja Turtles. You're going to be seeing some of that stuff. And it's just going to be funny to see when you finally see it. And it's just awesome. And, I mean, it's just... An entire mashup of some of the best things that you'll ever see, and I absolutely love who I got to play with that. And I know he's working on finishing that game now. I've only gotten to play the first couple levels, but I mean, it's just it's phenomenal. Just the amount of stuff that was packed into you know that first hour. That's terrific. Um, I have a quick question. Also, uh, what do you think? So you know, we're kind of similarly to how the fighter came back. We're kind of in a in a renaissance. If yeah. you will of, the, of the, the brawler, they're they're back now. They're they're coming up with some creative things. Developers are coming up with new ways to keep it interesting. Uh, you know, there have been some very high profile brawlers in recent time. The Scott Pilgrim game last year, for yeah. instance, was a very very successful and high profile game that got a lot of people's attention and was pretty good too. What do you think the next step is? Do you think that? See, the way I'm kind of thinking about it now is that okay, so we're adding RPG elements, we're adding some new stuff. The graphics are mm-hmm. a lot better. There are some throwback games like Retro City Rampage that are kind of harkening back to the way things were. Shank kind of, you know, brings some gunplay into the mix. Okay, so there's some bits of new stuff that have been brought in. But once you get past this, what else can you do to that genre before it becomes completely unrecognizable? Like, really, we've hit a high point with the with what the brawler can do in 2D. Mm-hmm. 3D brawlers do not work. Uh, just no. simplistic brawlers. They've tried it. Uh, it's been tried many times back on the PlayStation, the Saturn. You can't do it. It just doesn't work out. Uh, as, as great as games like Die Hard Arcade are, which, honestly, I will, I will fight anyone to the death who says that's not a great game. Uh, you know, that game is also 45 minutes long, and if you try to make it longer than that, you're not going to want to play it anymore. That's been proven to not be that great. So, 2D Brawlers, I think we've kind of hit our limit. I want to say that I, I don't see very much more being added to that genre that hasn't been done at some point. Do you mm-hmm. think there's a future? Do you think that five years from now we'll be seeing games? I mean, of course, we'll still see Crassle Crashers 2 or something like that along those lines. But do you really think that what we're going through right now with the brawler, how the brawler is, is so high profile, so successful, and so great, and people are so excited about playing these games, mm-hmm. do you think that this will actually last? Or do you think we're kind of in a bit of a high point now before it dips back into the PlayStation 1 era of, yo, you don't want to play these games anymore, they're terrible? Yeah, honestly, I think we're kind of almost in a second golden age, even though I wouldn't go as far as to say these are, you know, as fantastic as the originals. But sure. the the um, just the whole concept of downloadable games has brought, you know, a unique price point to the point that we can make these games. And these can be, you know, one person companies that can make a very simple yet elegant game at the same time. And they can sell it for, you know, $15 just online without, you know, the whole process of going through retail. And it can have more content than any of the original, you know, $60 ports to the, uh, you know, sure. uh, 
early consoles. And it's just great that that's been around. And I think that's why we're seeing the big resurgence, especially with the success of games like Castle Crashers and the original Dishwasher. Right. Just because they know that there's sales there and they know that there's something people want. Because people like you and I, who grew up with these as children, there's a certain you know kind of sentimental value to being able to play this type of game. And it's just a fun genre to sit back and, you know, play for a couple hours and then you beat the game, which is just absolutely great for the whole digital sphere. And I think eventually it's going to hit a point where, again, we're going to kind of, you know, dip out of it and another game is going to kind of become the main focus and there'll probably be another offshoot or something. But eventually it'll just keep coming back because I think the industry really is very cyclical and that what's big now maybe big for, you know, a couple of years, but then eventually, you know, something else is going to come back or something new right. will come back spawning from it. And things just kind of move in cycles. And it's one of those things that once someone sees something successful, you're going to see about 20 different types of that game. Sure. And I think you hit the just nail be- on the head there with the, the price points, because back in the Super Nintendo days, there was no such thing as a $15, $20 game. Yeah. And now we can kind of get away with it. And honestly, with most brawlers, you don't want to play them for more than five, six, seven hours. No. So it's it's really been the thing that's kind of kept this genre alive over the last couple of years. The fact that you can put out a $15, $10 game, even a $5 game, that gives you a few solid hours of entertainment that isn't as deep as something like God of War, for instance, but yeah. it's something that you'll have a great time playing. And it's it's something that kind of harkens back to what you enjoyed as a child. Yeah, and I think the great thing about games like Castle Crashers is they're a lot simpler to play than, say, God of War. Sure. So if you're trying to play, you know, if, like, you're a parent who grew up in, you know, that 80s, 90s period, and you're trying to play something with your children, you can go back and you can find games like this or like the original Ninja Turtles that have now been ported to XBLA. Sure. And, I mean, they they still hold their, their fun. Like, I mean, the genre still is fun, and it's a great entry-level type of game to bring people into gaming. Like, I mean, the same way that, like, Mario brings people into platformers. I mean, it's just absolutely great. And it has, you know, the simplicity still. Though a lot of these, you know, they have that kind of... uh, Also, they have the complicated, you know, elegant amount of combos you can do. But, you know, you don't even have to do those. It's just... Those are there for players who just want to keep getting better and pushing things. And, uh, like, I mean, they throw in the concept of speed runs on a couple of these games. And it's just... It's great to see. Right, right. I agree, and I honestly I think that you know even though I said you probably can't get away with charging sixty dollars for one of these things, I'd like to see some developers kind of take what brawlers can do and make a full fuller game out of, yeah. of that type of experience. I, one of the examples I thought of was the Warriors. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever played it, not the one that's on three sixty, the the one that Rockstar made for the Xbox and the PS two. Essentially, at its core, is a brawler. Yeah. Uh, it has some open world elements. It has. Uh, various other mission types there's someone if you're being chased there's some there's some stuff that takes place from a 3d perspective where you're you're going into the screen but in heart you're picking up bricks and you're hitting dudes in the head with it and it's it's framed around the concepts of the movie which is a a great framework for a brawler and that game i think more than almost any other 3d brawler really figured out a way to do it right and yeah. do it in a way that you're not bored. You're actually having fun. You're engaged in a story. You're, you're seeing all these new and ex- exciting things every, every couple of levels. And I can't really think of another game that did it so closely to what Brawlers used to be in the 80s, but also managed to bring things up to a yeah. respectable level in the current generation. And I'd like to see, I mean, if it's Rockstar, great. But if not, I'd kind of like to see another game say, all right, we're going to make this game that would have been a third-person shooter, except we're going to kind of bring it back to the Final Fight days and make a brawler out of it. And if if another developer can 
actually handle that as tactfully as Rockstar did, I think that would almost be the next step in the genre. That would be kind of the way to bring 3D into the mix without completely ruining the game, as many other PlayStation 1 era brawlers did. Yeah, I would say definitely between the two periods, you know, the the original era, the golden age, you know, with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the, the final fights and the Streets of Rage, the only two real games that stand up for me between that entire period that weren't, you know, the licensed games that I just loved as a kid was Beautiful Joe sure. and The Warriors. I've heard of The Warriors. I actually haven't played it. But I mean, Beautiful Joe did the same type of thing, and it has the just the great gameplay and i mean it's just beautiful looking with the whole cell shading and i mean that also is you know an early 2000 release so i mean it's just great to see that hearkening back i mean it was a gamecube ps2 title but i mean it's just fantastic to see the platform side scrolling just come back yeah and and beautiful joe honestly it works very similarly and kind of would work great as a downloadable game because it's very similar to what a lot of developers are doing now on the downloadable marketplace and it's unfortunate that that game didn't sell too well because, yo, that game was pretty good. Um, so, John, before we close out today, I kind of wanted to talk to you about your site, xblafans.com. Um, you guys are kind of having a brawler-focused content week. Am I right? Yeah. Over the next week, we're, uh, we have a bunch of content that's going to be going up completely devoted to uh, the brawler genre. And we've reached out to a bunch of different companies, and, I mean, they've provided some awesome awesome swag for us to give away like konami sent me over uh 15 different codes to just give out for x-men and teenage mutant ninja turtles and then castle crashers we're going to be able to give out some of the uh figurines and stuff and they've sent me a bunch of those i just have a couple boxes just sitting on my kitchen table right now actually of stuff i just need to sort through and then on top of that we just have some great interviews and you know previews of games that are coming out and then we're also looking at, at you know, all of the old brawlers that have been out on the system that came out before our site was in existence. So, I mean, and uh, over this next week, we also have two side-scrolling games coming out. And uh, Russian Attack's going to be coming out on the uh, 30th. And then the next week, you have Dishwasher Vampire Smile coming out on the 6th. And it, it, it's going to be great. And then we have a, a bunch of friends of mine within the industry that I've been talking to, just trying to get their perspective on the genre, just so I can share that. And we've been looking into a lot of the stuff we've talked about today, just looking at the lineage of the genre, and we're going to be talking about that as well. Great. So, yeah, so for all your brawler needs, check out xblafans.com for a ton of great content. Uh, And I want to thank you for being on the show today, John, to kind of uh, wax uh, nostalgic about some of the great games that we used to play as as a child. Please, uh, tell everyone about the site. Uh, well, the site we started about last year, and we've just been trying to, you know, find a niche within gaming that, you know, people kind of neglect. And Xbox Live Arcade games, to me, are some of the best games actually out on the system. Uh, this year, I'm actually looking forward to more Xbox Live Arcade exclusives than I am actual retail exclusives for the 360. Interesting. So uh, thank you for, for championing the smaller game because, honestly, <laughs> lately that's what I've been playing more of, too. Yeah, and thank you so much for having us uh, join you today. Sure. It's no, been a blast. My pleasure, my pleasure. I think I'm going to go home and play some Turtles in Time because I want to throw some views <laughs> at the screen. How amazing was that back in the day? Um, Absolute blast. All right. Uh, well, thank you, John, for coming on the show. Uh, we should meet up some dudes in time on Xbox Live. Uh, and thank you all for, uh, for, for listening to us today. Uh, we will be back soon with another show, uh, the topic of which I cannot recall at this point. 
But it will be really good because the man will be on it and he is wonderful. So, everyone, uh, thank you for listening and uh, take care. Go beat some dudes up.